So, Jared, welcome back. Another hey. week filling in for Dr. Beals. So glad to have you. Uh, Frills, as always, it's your pleasure. We just got done viewing Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse, the sequel to um, uh, the first Spider-Man. I don't even, what was it called? What was the first one called? Do you remember? Into the Spider-Verse. Into the Spider-Verse. That's right. That's right. They're so, the titles are so close together in mm-hmm. terms of just the naming that it gets, you know, I get confused. Well, and Before and there's you been... go across the Spider-Verse, you got to go into the Spider-Verse. Matt. That does make nasty. sense. Matt, if you make me look stupid one more time, so help me. Uh, Jared, do you mind signing off for a few minutes while Matt and I have a private conversation? Exactly. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, I'm going to put you in a side chat room. We'll let mm-hmm. you know when we're done here. I'm going to make him an awful game with you. I see dead people. Hasta la vista, baby. You can't handle the truth! I think this is the beginning of a beautiful friendship. The Across the Spider-Verse is is this week's uh, film. Uh, obviously, we're not going to give away spoilers. The movie just hit. Uh, but we're going to talk, what's kind of the messaging of this film? Let's start with our usual first uh, question and see where that takes us. In the trailer, there's this big question of choosing to save one person or saving every single person. And so one group says, hey, we can't actually save everybody. Whereas the main protagonist and maybe some others are thinking, hey, maybe we can save more people than we think we can. And so it opens up this larger question of who exactly is right, where every Spider-Man thinks that they're doing the right thing, but who actually determines what is the right thing? Yeah, something that they brought up in the film that I thought was interesting is obviously when you talk about these uh, superhero films or even some of the big blockbusters like Star Wars and stuff like that, they talk about what's canon. They use that phrase a lot. Okay, so what is set in stone? What is set in stone and immovable? Uh, And this this doesn't give anything away. There's these different canons uh, that they say are milestones for the the Spider-Man character. And those can't be changed. Of like time travel or of okay, well, yeah. let's, okay, they're talking about canon, right? This 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 idea that something is set in stone and can't be changed. Yet we see in the movie that things do get changed and 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 shifted. Like as well, Christians, like, you know, what what do how do we look at that? How do we think about that? Okay, this is gonna be really nerdy, but my office is right next to Doctor Chow's office, and so one time I asked him. Could time travel biblically ever exist? And his rationale and his answer was no, because the word of the Lord stands forever. And if you could time travel and then change history, and then if redemptive history could change, then the word of the Lord wouldn't actually stand forever. Yeah, it's but it's no fun to kind of that answer in seminary. You know? it's, 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 they don't have time travel class in seminary. There's that's, zero that's time not, travel classes. I'm shocked. I'm, 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 I'm might be something you might want to think about adding. Uh, we could add that to online, Matt. Why don't you put that down? Mm. Um, I, I think Jared should go and to make the suggestion. Maybe you should build your whole doctoral thesis, Jared, around this idea of. of to, well, okay, just saying, just throwing that out there, brother. Uh, let's talk about what's being portrayed as good or noble in uh, this movie. I mean, I'll be. I'll, you want me to say something? Okay, I, family. The idea of family is valued in this and not just family but traditional um husband wife children that nucleus is is honored in this 
And one of the things that I really like, I appreciate, and you see this in the first film too, is, is the husband and wife, Miles Morales's parents, really trying to work together to figure out how to parent their son. Mm-hmm. It's not a, like they're actually having discussions. They talk a lot about how it's a challenge. It's not easy. And it's not the two of them fighting or bickering or trying to one up each other. I had picked up on that as well. And one of the things I thought was also interesting kind of alongside of how the parents are communicating was even the response of the children of the kids as their roles were at that time, they were combative and then they fell in line with what the parents wanted. And that's not typically what you see portrayed in movies. You see the children becoming extremely rebellious and that's not what it was at all um, in this. So I think the family was actually well represented in, in kind of what you want it to look like or what you hope it would look like. I don't know why I'm surprised when I go to these movies now and I see it. It's almost refreshing because I'm expecting the opposite. Uh, I'm expecting to see a broken single family, whether yeah. that be the father or mother, uh, and uh, a kid who they either they just don't get. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, and uh, And so obviously there is some of that in this, but that's part of the teenage process. You know, when you're growing and you're changing and all this kind of stuff. And and they talk about, you know, having the lines of communication open. Again, we talked a little bit of that, about that with The Little Mermaid on the last episode. I noticed that even the characters were struggling with what is actual good. That seemed to be a theme that kind of ran throughout. What was the right decision to do? There was, there was that they had to make decisions as what is good. And I think that was, uh, I thought that was very interesting. Um, just that battle for understanding what that is. Also, the way that female characters were were portrayed was also very refreshing. Where in addition to just good, strong, like traditional families, sometimes in these Marvel movies, like with She-Hulk, which was wild. I watched every episode. You can't get that time back. I also watched <laughs> Captain Marvel. You also can't get that time back. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. But just the, the trailer alone for the new Marvels movie makes me go, mm, well, I know how well. I won't be spending those two and a half hours. But part of what's yeah, but part of what's so frustrating with those characters is that they have to elevate a female character by bringing another male character down. And this character, it's every character can stand on his or own two feet and has a moral compass that they're wrestling through. So the the main villain of the film uh, that you see in the trailer is a character called The Spot. And he's almost portrayed as kind of bumbling and kind of foolish and wanting to be perceived as evil, like the ultimate evil. He's like almost begging uh, Miles Morales to see him as an equal, uh, except on, on the opposite side. You know, the whole thrust for that character's character arc is to become the ultimate villain and not just villain of the week you know we're like a guest star on a show he's like the villain uh and desires that to be to be evil yeah there's this ego you know that that's kind of the impetus of what controls him is to be this larger than life type of villain that can just dominate and rule and ultimately get revenge i think we've seen revenge as that like villainous thread that's been connecting the those you know immoral villain characters Got the past like two or three movies recently. Some lines that stuck out to me uh, in this film. There was a line that says, we all want to live the life we wish we had, uh, which I, I think a lot of us struggle with. The grass is always greener on the other side. And the reality of that, it is rarely greener on the other side. Uh, sometimes we get a glimpse of that. 
in our sin nature, we so desire this. And then sometimes the Lord's like, okay, you want that? Here, you can have that. And it's oftentimes, um, it's not always a, a disaster, but oftentimes it can be a disaster. And the Lord, that's just an evidence of the Lord protecting us from our sin nature uh, and, and saying, no, guess what, dummy? You actually don't know what's best for you, which is interesting in this movie because there's a, there's a point where they're looking at different timelines and they talk about the, this system that they have, this algorithm that's basically able to kind of predict the future. And so this idea of what would you do if you knew the future? To a certain extent, we do know the future where sure. you look at, you know, tribulation era or rapture, tribulation era, new heavens, and new earth. And there's this moment where one of the main characters understands what's going to happen in the future. And that becomes this kind of light bulb, you know, like visceral moment where he just goes full force all out to try to do everything that he can to prevent what he thinks is the wrong type of thing to happen. And biblically, it's like, well, we know how the story ends. And in the same way that that changes that one character's present circumstance and how he acts, how much more then should us knowing the end change actually how we act in the current day where we're living a life that's moving forward to how we know the story ends and what are we doing to contribute and actually bring God glory in our current life. And that's the crosshairs of the movie of how the future collides with the present. Right. Another line um, that kind of stuck out was bad things are going to happen. And that makes us who we are. You know, one of the, one of the things was all the Spider-Man characters, right? They all have kind of, they all go through bad things, right? Here, here they are in this universe that they can predict what happens. And the, Spider-Man is struggling and this comment comes out, bad things happen. And that, that's, that's what makes us who we are. And then he goes, but good things happen too. And I thought that's a good reminder uh, right there um, for all of us is, yep, bad things happen, but guess what? Good things happen too. I know I've seen that in my life. Well, a lot of the bad, the, the challenges of life, the valleys are where the refining happens um, with us in our, in our Christian walk. It's rare that when everything is going really well, do I sit back and go, okay, let me think about how I could be better. You know, I start thinking, well, I'm doing pretty good. Uh, things are great. And it starts to become about me and, and self-focus. And, and so it's, it's in those valleys, those times of trials is where um, I'm reminded that I need my savior. If you guys had any kind of closing kind of thoughts. The idea that self-worth was something that was kind of brought in um, where you see the main Spider-Man in here struggling with, I am good enough, right? And I think that's something we, we you kind of see him at the end, kind of go through all the struggles where you've heard people say he's not good enough. And I think that's something we see in this culture where everybody wants to encourage you and say, you know, don't worry, you are good enough. You can do what you need to do, that kind of thing. So I picked up on that theme. Sacrifice was another kind of noble quality that all the characters had, where they have to sacrifice, whether it's their personal life, or they have to sacrifice like a family member, and giving up something that you hold dear for the larger good. Thank you for listening to Real Profs, a production of the Center for Thinking Biblically. To support this ministry, please visit thinkbiblically.org backslash donate. 
To learn more about the Masters University on campus and online undergraduate and graduate programs, visit masters.edu.